This evening, I'm going to actually begin in the middle of my notes, and as I've been encouraging you the past few weeks, now's the time, the beginning of a new year, now's the time to tweak, to change, to improve, and now's the time to carve out in your schedule time with the Lord. And again, I realize that you may work during the day. I know there are those among us, and based on what they do, they may have night shifts. And so you know you, you know your schedule, you know whether you're a morning person or a night owl, you know your situation. But to set aside the time with the Lord on a daily basis and to be faithful and consistent in that time in the Word and time in prayer and to be faithful and consistent in that time, and then to increase that time. And really what we're doing in this, this Wednesday night series is then we're, we're coming to the Word, and we're learning from the Word of God how to be more fruitful when we pray, how to be more effective when we pray, how to get answers when we pray. And if there are things that we're doing that maybe feel good or are religious but are not effective, identifying those things and tweaking and improving for results. You've heard pastors say, you've heard me say that if I'm gonna wake up early and have a cup of coffee and spend time with the Lord, I want my time to be effective and I want my time to be productive. And as you spend that daily time, whether in the morning or evening with the Lord in prayer and in his word, if the Holy Spirit convicts you or moves upon your heart to change or to tweak or to pray differently, don't be offended. Don't have your feelings hurt. Go with it. Because he's just trying to lead you to green pastures and still waters. David wrote in Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. I shall lack no good thing. But this is why we have to live that life of abiding in him, and him abiding in us, us abiding in his word, his word abiding in us. We have to live this life where the Lord is truly our shepherd. And David was a shepherd, and so that's the perspective from which he saw things. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And so when the, the Holy Spirit convicts you or prods you or prompts you or keeps bringing something back to your remembrance or keeps putting some, something on your heart. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to hinder you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to lead you to green pastures and still waters. Jesus taught us in John 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to hinder us. He's trying to help us. And again, every Sunday, Wednesday, we do our best to pray, to study, to prepare, to lay out what the Lord puts on our heart. You know, so there are times we get off on this tangent or that tangent. We think, well, is that me or the Lord? And inevitably, inevitably someone will say, well, that, that was for me. The Lord's trying to help someone. So don't be offended. Receive the Lord's help. Receive the Lord's guidance. Jesus taught in John's gospel that the Holy Spirit, he would be our helper, our comforter, our counselor. And so the Lord being your shepherd and your guide, it's what this life of abiding is all about. And John 15, seven has been one of the key verses in this series. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire 
and it shall be done for you. We'll ask what we desire. It sounds wonderful, but there, there's a caveat, and that is we have to truly live this life of abiding in him and him abiding in us and us abiding in his word and his word abiding in us and abiding. Truly living the life has everything to do with answered prayer. Abiding requires that we obey the commands of God, that we live like Christ, that we truly be doers of the word of God. And if you were to ask, well, how can I measure my level of abiding? Or how can I measure my faith? Well, you can measure those things by the extent to which you live the life, by the extent to which you truly follow and imitate Jesus, by the, ex by the extent to which you're truly a doer of the word. James 1, beginning in verse 23, says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Now, I teased last Wednesday evening that it, as with a large family, and five children. Jessica and I sometimes have to repeat ourselves, and we sometimes have to repeat ourselves to the little ones, and so I know Sophie and Michaela don't need to hear it anymore, but I say it anyway. Well, you know, get your jammies on, brush your teeth, hop in bed. You know, if Sophie and Michaela, you know, this is your lights out time, and Samuel and Julia, this is your lights out time, and Emily, your lights out time is immediate, right now. You know, but then inevitably get back there. And, oh, you didn't tell them I needed to break. Yes, I did. I, I, so that, those are children. But see, for us as grown-ups and as adults, as Paul says, we're to put childish things behind. And so, yes, there are things we hear on Wednesday nights or Sundays we've heard before, but we ought to be mastering those things. We ought to be maturing and making progress. It shouldn't be we're hearing and we're hearing for the hundredth time and we're really convicted because we still haven't begun taking action. It ought to be, no, I've heard that and yes, I'm a, I'm a doer of the, what the word says regarding that and because of that, I'm walking in the fruit and the blessing of the Lord. But doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So let, let's say it again like last Wednesday night, say, I'm blessed in the doing. In the doing. Say it again, say, I'm blessed in the doing. And the key is being faithful and consistent. And abiding has everything to do with answered prayer because if you don't truly abide, you in him, he in you, you in his word, his word in you, then your heart will condemn you. And if your heart condemns you when you pray, you're not going to pray in faith. If you don't pray in faith, you're not going to be heard and answered. First John 3, beginning in verse 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So we're to have confidence when we pray. But this thing of the heart, it's a big deal. And the Lord knows our heart. You know, we can come to church and we can get dressed, and we can put on a good appearance, but the Lord knows everything going on. And so this, this matter of the heart, it is a big issue. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we 
obey his commands and do what pleases him. Well, this is John's way of saying what James says. You got to be a doer of the word. Not a hearer only, but a doer. And if you don't want your heart condemning you when you pray, you got to live this life where you obey his commands and do what pleases him. Verse 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Paul teaches, James teaches, John teaches, Peter teaches. They all teach that the command, and Jesus taught, is the love command which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another as he commanded us. Verse 24, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. That sounds a whole whole lot like abiding. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Those who obey his commands abide in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So again, we come back to the songs we sang at the end of the song service about welcoming the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit and not ignoring the Spirit and not putting the Spirit off, or as Paul says, not grieving the Spirit. So to have confidence when we pray, we've got to obey the commands of God and we've got to do what pleases God. And this has everything to do with answered prayer. And this is why when we teach on faith at Faith Christian Center, we're always careful to explain that faith is taking action on the word or faith is being a doer of the word. Hebrews 11 verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, the Lord, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, we could read it this way. Without taking action on the word, it is impossible to please God. Or how about from the perspective of James? Without being a doer of the word, it is impossible to please God. And so we go back to 1 John 3 and verse 24. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Abiding, living the life, being a doer of the word and living the life, not just when we're here in church and people we know from church see us, but during the week at work, wherever we go, it has everything to do with answered prayer. Because when you don't live the life, your heart condemns you. And if your heart condemns you when you pray, you won't pray in confidence, you won't pray in faith. And praying in faith has everything to do with your prayers being answered. I didn't bring the reference, but the New Testament tells that if it's not in faith, it is in sin. So this has everything to do with answered prayer. So it's important to remember who you are in Christ and what belongs to you in Christ and that you live out your faith, that you have a faith that is genuine, that is real, because then when you go to your heavenly father, you bring that with you. As a new creation man or woman, you can enter the presence of God at any time. We are, we we find out in Paul's epistles, we are, the righteousness of God in Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been credited or imputed to us. So when you pray, we now stand in the presence of Father God without guilt, without condemnation, without fear. But if we fail to live the life, if we fail to abide, if we fail to do the word, then we're just like unsaved men and women when we pray. 
And the result is that when challenges come, believers in that situation, they look for someone else to pray for them. When a believer doesn't know who they are in Christ, they don't live the life, and they don't take action on the word, they fail to grow their faith, and they become weak spiritually, and their heart condemns them. And as Pastor dealt with a few weeks ago, they become spiritual hitchhikers. What's a spiritual hitchhiker? It's someone who is always relying on the faith and the prayers of others. And so they may pray, but then they'll reach out to this person and that person say, well, I need you to pray. Why? They don't have confidence. Why? Their heart condemns them. And because their heart condemns them, they don't pray in faith. They, they know here they haven't been heard. They haven't been answered. And so they rely on the faith and prayers of others. My Father and I love you. We want you to learn how faith works. We want you to learn how to get your prayers answered. We want you to have confidence when you pray. And we want you to learn how to pray for yourself and others. And praise God for those moments when we can stand in agreement. But you ought to come to the place where you know what faith is and how faith works. And you ought to have confidence when you pray that God has heard you, that God has answered you, and you have the answer. And so, again, we come back to what Jesus taught, that we're to abide in him, he's to abide in us, his word is to abide in us, and if there are things that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about, don't be offended, don't be upset, don't be obstinate, don't uh, stick your feet in the mud, don't, don't be like a rebellious child that you, you know you're wrong, but you want to prove a point. Just, just go with what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do because he is leading you to green pastures and still waters. A spiritual hitchhiker, someone who relies on the faith and prayers of others. They may pray, but again, because their heart condemns them, their prayers are full of doubt and unbelief. They're always asking others to pray. Why? Well, they don't believe their prayers were heard. They don't believe their prayers were answered. Their heart condemns them. A spiritual hitchhiker hears, but as James tells us, they hear, but they don't do. And the result is, in the King James of James, it says, they forgetteth what manner of man they are. So they're, they're born again, they're saved, but they don't live like it. They don't act like it. They don't talk like it, and they do not pray like it. They forget what manner of man or woman they are in Christ. And if you have forgotten who you are in Christ, as Jesus tells the church in Ephesus in Revelation, you have to return to your first love. And who is our first love? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a part of that, we should love his word. Spending time with him and his word, it should not be a chore or some terrible duty or something we only do when there is an emergency. We should see it as a great joy, a great privilege. You know, we, we have no idea how blessed we are. You know, it was, only, it was only a few hundred years ago the Bible began to be translated into the vernacular languages of Europe, English, French, German, Spanish. You go back earlier than that, people could not read the Bible for themselves. And for a long time, men and women paid a terrible price for God's word, 
to be made available to the people in the languages they knew and understood. And then later, men like John Wycliffe paid a terrible price because they worked that there would be miniature copies of the New Testament that people could carry in their coat or in their pocket to hide from the authorities because the penalty was being imprisoned and being tortured, in some cases, death. So we ought not see time in the Word as a chore, but as a great privilege to abide in Him, for Him to abide in us, for us to abide in His Word, and for His Word to abide in us. And so if you have forgotten what manner of man or woman you are in Christ, you need to do as Jesus said. You gotta return to your first love. And if you've been asleep or lethargic, you should do as Paul says in the King James, he writes, awake, wake thou that sleepest and Christ shall give thee light. A spiritual hitchhiker, they hear, but they forgetteth and they're not a doer of the word. So the key is to live this life faithfully and consistently. And you might say, well, he's emphasized this three weeks. It's important. And now's the time, the beginning of a new year, to carve out that time daily, time with the Lord in prayer, time in his word. And if, you know, you, you, you don't wake up to your alarm tomorrow and you, you miss that time, don't get into guilt or condemnation. Make up the time tomorrow evening. But to carve out that time faithfully and consistently every day, and you'll, you'll bear much fruit. If you read and study John 15 and 16, he, he, yes, he dealt with abiding in him and his word abiding in us, but then it's all about fruit that our, our lives would yield and would produce great fruit. It is a wonderful thing to be a doer of what Jesus taught, and that is the secret of a productive and effective prayer life. He is our example, and so we're to do as Jesus did. Jesus did the Father's will. He lived the Father's will out. He spoke the Father's word. Jesus was both a hearer and a doer, and he lived a life of prayer, fellowship with Father God. I said last Wednesday evening that the disciples, they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he kindly taught them some things. But if you, you read the gospels carefully, he would minister and he would go off to pray. And he went off to pray by himself. Now, it's easier for me to pray if the kids are asleep and still in bed, amen? But in, in all the history of the world, you had the Son of God incarnate in the flesh. And so Peter, James, John, any of them could have taken the time to go and to follow and to watch and to observe and to kneel down and to pray beside him, and to listen to how, what he said, and to listen to how he prayed, and to imitate him. It is a great privilege, but we have to do the work of prayer and spending time with our Heavenly Father. Now, I want to take some time this evening and go to new ground. The Bible teaches the concept of little by little, day by day, precept upon precept. And that's why if you're new or just got saved or even new to Faith Christian Center, I'm not challenging everybody to pray an hour a day or an hour and a half a day. Or You've got to start where you are and be faithful and consistent and then develop that time. And my father and I understand that as being in full-time ministry, we're supposed to spend more time in the Word and in prayer than the congregation. 
That, that's to be expected. And so it's so important to live a balanced life. When believers don't abide faithfully and consistently, when believers don't truly live the Christian life faithfully and consistently, when they, as James says, forget what manner of man or woman they are, and they're a hearer, but not a doer of the word, inevitably, inevitably, people get into extremes or extremism or fads, and in so doing, they get away from the word of God. And sadly, this happens in people's lives. When the answer doesn't come, or it doesn't come soon enough, or quick enough on their timetable, or the money doesn't come, or when the problem is not solved, too, too often, instead of going to the Word of God to, finding out, to find out, what have I missed? How, what have I missed? What, where have I prayed amiss? Or is there a part of my life where I'm not doing what the Word says? I'm not being obedient. Instead of going to the Word, too often people resort to the means and the methods of carnal, fleshly men. And you've heard Pastor give these examples, and I'm going to deal with this a little bit this evening, and I'll know he'll want to pick up right here next Wednesday evening. Daniel fasts, prayer chains, drinking anointing oil. How about this one? If we can just get enough people praying. We've got 555 people praying, but we need a few. If we can, if we can just get enough people praying, we'll get there. Fleshly activities. Well, we're to be students of the Word. And this book is to be the determining factor in everything that we do. We're Protestants. That's what the Protestant Reformation was all about. That we don't just do things because a pope or a bishop or a cardinal tells us to. We do what we do because that's what the Word of God says. We're to be people of His Word, His book. And we're to do things according to the Word of God. And so, yes, Pastor and I know that in January there's, there's this and there's that and there's this fad and there's that fad. And well, we're not into fads. We're into what the Word of God teaches because that's where the power is. And so, as an example, if you go to Daniel chapter 1 and study Daniel chapter 1, Daniel and his friends had been taken captive into Babylon they had been selected to be trained to be wise men in the king's house. Being in Babylon, the food that was set before them and the other young men was what was customary for Babylonians to eat. And so if you read and study Daniel chapter 1, you'll see that Daniel and his friends said, look, we're not going to eat what is displeasing to God. And that's because they were, again, Jewish young men from Judah, and they were living under the old covenant, and as holy, devout, righteous men, they were doers of the word. And what word did they have? Well, they had a good portion of the Old Testament. They had the law of Moses, and so they were doers of the word. And so, because they were in Babylon, because they could not guarantee the meat selections, being kosher, and they could not guarantee how that meat was prepared in Babylon. They, they said, we're going to abstain from all this meat and where we want vegetables and we want water. Well, in one sense, that is to abstain, but we're not talking about fasting. We're talking about a diet. 
And for Daniel and his friends, it was a diet in line with the word that they had, which was the law of Moses. And they were choosing to abide by the dietary law of the Old Testament. And did God bless them for being doers of the word? Yes. Did God protect them for being doers of the word? Yes. But if you get to January and think, well, I'm going to do some weird, strange thing to lose weight, that's fine, but don't say it's spiritual. More power to you. But don't, but don't fool yourself into thinking you're doing some spiritual thing. These men were in a foreign land. And for them as Jews under the old covenant, what was set before them was unacceptable. And so as holy, righteous men, they said, no, we're going to abstain. And did God bless them? Yes, the Lord blessed them for their obedience. Y'all okay? I'm just making sure everybody's okay this evening. See, when people don't get results from doing things the word's way, too often they get into relying on the arm of the flesh. And if you rely on the arm of the flesh, sooner or later, the arm of the flesh, it is going to disappoint you. It is going to let you down. What does the word say? Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Zechariah 4, verse 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So don't rely on the arm of the flesh. Do not rely on the arm of the flesh. Have faith in God. Have faith in his word. Our heavenly father does not hear us because of long hours of prayer. Our heavenly father does not hear us because of many days of fasting or many words. Our heavenly father hears us when we pray in faith, standing on his word. Our heavenly father hears us when we pray in faith, standing on his word. Under the old covenant, God gave his people one fast day per year. It was called the day of atonement. By the first century, the time of Jesus, religious Jews had turned one day a year into two days per week. That's religion. That's what religion does. Jesus said of the religious leaders, Matthew 23, beginning in verse three, do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You've heard pastor explain before that when he, he started out, he would begin every year with the 40-day fast, but there became a point where the Lord told him, son, you have had faith in fasting. You need to have faith in my word. Now, I would be a foolish young man if I did not learn from my father's example. Nope, you know, I, I think I'm gonna learn the hard way. I think, why, why should we not learn from our elders? Amen. And then why should we not learn from what we see in the word of God? Amen. Yes, there were Jewish Christians who carried that two day a week practice forward. But if you take the time to read your New Testament, you will not find one place in the epistles where Paul or Peter or James or Jude or John told the New Testament church to do a corporate fast. You will not find it. Now, is fasting a spiritual discipline? Yes. You push the plate aside 
to draw closer to God. But if you just push the plate aside, you're just doing what people online doing, you know, and now intermittent fasting is a fad. It's popular. Something else will be popular next year. But if you push the plate aside and don't spend time with the Lord in his word and in prayer, you're, you're doing something physical, but you're not doing something spiritual. When Paul and Barnabas were ordained for ministry, the elders and leaders were fasting and praying. Acts 13, beginning in verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So that is an example of the leadership doing more than the people, spending time and fasting and prayer. But again, if you go reading through your New Testament, you'll not find one place in the epistles where Paul or Peter or James or Jude or John wrote to a church and, and told a church collectively to go on a corporate fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Again, you push the plate aside to draw closer to God. If you just push the plate aside, you're doing what now the new thing is, intermittent fasting, which there are health benefits from that. But again, if you don't spend time with the Lord, you're not doing something spiritual. If you're not spending more time in prayer, you're not doing something spiritual. And if you do, the Lord moves upon your heart to, to do that, to push the plate away and to draw close to the Lord. You need to read Isaiah chapter 58, the fasting chapter. If in pushing the plate away, you become mean and you become angry and you become cantankerous, it's not pleasing to God. So see, you, you could think, man, I, I am doing something so spiritual, but if you're not walking in love, you're negating the whole thing. And then if you do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if you're making a show of it, Instagram, day one, Instagram, day two, Instagram, day three, you're, you're violating what Jesus taught. He said that we are to do these things in secret, and our Heavenly Father will reward us openly. And any great Anointed man of God in the history of the church, you, you study their life, inevitably they lived a life of prayer and fasting. Again, I'm not, it is a discipline, it has a place, it has a purpose, but what I, I want to caution you on is get to January, February, every year you have people, they come to church, they love the Lord Jesus, but they're not doers of the word and they think not eating is going to fix their not tithing. It doesn't work. Or they think they're not eating is going to fix them not walking in love with their wife or with their children. Or they think that they're not eating is suddenly going to make their prayer life work. Not if you do not pray according to the word of God. Not if you do not pray in faith. So again, fasting, it is a spiritual discipline. And for the New Testament believer, fasting should be voluntary as led by the Holy Spirit. Heard me say that if the Lord moves upon my heart, that doesn't mean in our home, well, Jessica's going on a fast and Sophie and Michaela and Samuel and Julia and little Emily, she's gonna go on a fast too. That's for me, it's not, not for everybody in the house. Or if, if the Lord's dealing with pastor me about something, it's, it's for us. We, we don't need to make everybody do everything we're doing. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. And for the New Testament believer, it should be voluntary as led by the Holy Spirit. So if you were to ask me or pastor out in the atrium, we would say, 
fast as led by the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin Sr. would explain and teach that when he went on a fast, he would always have his answer in one to three days. Now you go over to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel did go on a fast because he had received a vision or revelation from God and he was seeking understanding. He went on a fast. Eventually an angel Lord came to him and see, this is why we've got to be students of the word and we've got to hear the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit in our study of the word of God. An angel Lord came to Daniel and said, from the first day you prayed, I was sent with the answer. But then he told Daniel that he was detained by a demonic entity by the prince of Persia. But what I want you to see from the word of God is from the moment Daniel prayed, under the old covenant as an unsaved man, God heard him and God answered him. Now he went past day one and day two and day three and day four, but he had his answer on day one. You might say, well, Austin, how come he didn't know that? Christ had not yet come. Daniel was not a saved man. He didn't have you, what you and I have, which is the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us. So are we to operate at a lesser level or at a higher level? See, we're to do things on the basis of faith and the word of God. Fasting cannot and should not be used as a substitute for obedience to God's word and God's commands. But that's what people do. They don't do what the word says in their finances, their marriage, their family, with their child raising. So they'll do some extreme thing to make up for not doing the word or not obeying the commands of God. Our heavenly father does not hear us because of our many words. Our heavenly father does not hear us because we shout or we scream when we pray or because we pray loudly enough. Our heavenly father hears us when we pray in faith, standing on his word. He hears us when we pray in faith, standing on his word. If I think that God hears me because I pray a certain number of minutes or a certain number of hours or because I work myself up into enough of a frenzy or because I pray loud enough, then I am not praying in faith. If I think he hears me because I'm loud enough or I've worked myself up enough, I'm not praying in faith. If it is a fleshly endeavor, then it is based on the senses and not on faith. If it is a fleshly endeavor, then Austin is standing on Austin's works and Austin's righteousness, and I fail to stand on the word of God. If it is a fleshly endeavor, then I am standing on my works and my righteousness and not what Jesus Christ did on my behalf. If it is a fleshly endeavor, then I stand on my works and my righteousness and I fell to stand on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this is why we as full gospel believers sometimes fail when we pray. We have forgotten that it is because of the work of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe that it is by our works. But friends, that is not faith. Praying hard, praying through, this may be church language from the past 200 years, but it is not the language of the word of God. It is the flesh. It is works. It is not 
faith. We do not stand on our word. We stand on the word of God. We do not stand on our works. We stand on the finished work of Jesus Christ. We do not stand on our righteousness. We stand on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when you pray according to the word of God in faith, it should not be hard. It should not be some difficult, painful chore. It ought to be a great pleasure and a great privilege and a wonderful opportunity. Jesus said in John 16, beginning in verse 23, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, does that sound hard? Does that sound difficult? Does that sound painful? Now, it sounds very simple to me. And this is the beautiful simplicity of true Christian prayer. We come to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. We come to our Heavenly Father on the basis of what Jesus did, not what Austin has done. We come to the, our Heavenly Father on the basis of what Jesus did and His righteousness. And yes, I, I am to the best of my ability. I'm going to live for Him and live a, live a pleasing life unto the Lord. But it doesn't change the fact that when I walk into the throne room of God, I do not stand there based on my righteousness. I stand there on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so if I prayed an hour that morning, praise the Lord. If I slept in and it's chaos getting everyone to school, if, if someone texts me and there, there's a need of prayer, if I pray in faith in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get the same results either way because my heavenly father hears me and he answers me on the basis of his word and the name of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of these basic things. We come to the Father in the name of Jesus. And we come in the name of Jesus. We come by the Holy Spirit. We do not come in the arm of the flesh. The arm of the flesh, it'll let you down, it'll disappoint you, it'll fail you every time. We come with boldness and confidence. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. King James says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Grace here means love gifts. The throne room of our heavenly father, it is full of wonderful gifts of love for us as his children. He is simply waiting for us to ask. So we come boldly. We come with confidence. We come in the name of Jesus Christ. We come by the Holy Spirit standing on his word. We ask and we receive. As Jesus said in John 16, we ask and we receive and our joy, it is complete. It's, it's not hard. It's easy. There is, once you see this, there is no more praying hard or praying through. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace. Love gifts of our heavenly father to help us 
in our time of need. He loves us. He loves us. He wants to answer us. All we have to do is ask. And yes, we're to abide. Yes, we're to be doers of the word. Yes, we're to live the life. Yes, we're to walk in holiness and righteousness. But never forget, he, he hears us and he answers us on the base of his word. And he hears us and he answers us because we pray in faith and we pray in whose name? The name of Jesus. So maybe it hasn't been your best day. Pray in faith. Pray in the name of Jesus. Stand on the word of God because it's on the basis of those things that he hears and he answers.